0: Why the cross? At the beginning of Mass today, we were outside and we had the, uh, the remembrance and reenactment of the entry of our Lord into Jerusalem. Wherein people threw their cloaks down upon the ground and they cut down branches from the fields around them to be able to, to, to prepare the way for the Lord. To be able to give him a nice clean path for him to walk on. A sign of his dignity and honor. They cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of David that has come. Why didn't the Lord just stay on the donkey, say a few kind words, and ride off into the sunset? Why not have the Lord come and do some great sign? Where he came and and would speak to the people and say, the Lord God has forgiven your sins. I have taken on the flesh of humanity to unite humanity to God himself. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Why do you need to do something like the prophets would do? And make some sign or some visible symbol? Many of the prophets would do these things, these these things that were sometimes a bit confusing, but they would try to convey the point of what it was that God was doing in the midst of the people. Why not do some great sign in that sense? But the Lord didn't do any of those things. The Lord did the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was to allow His Son to die on the cross. Ultimately, The cross is the most fitting for Christ's death because it shows us the extent of his love, his faithfulness, and his trustworthiness. As children, every one of us is pure of heart. We have a certain simplicity about us. Children, we always and often delight in how they can gaze upon the most mundane of things and be utterly fascinated by it. An ant walking across the concrete is the most marvelous thing in the world sometimes to a child. There's a simplicity in it. There's a beauty in it and a purity. We also know the less pleasurable side of that purity of children, of how quite often they say things that you're not supposed to say. They do things you're not supposed to do because they don't know anything otherwise. They have no, they have no you know, uh, you know, wickedness in their heart. They just feel like this is something that I should say. Again, purity and simplicity. The problem is that as we grow older, oftentimes this purity fades a bit and our simplicity becomes less and less simple. We start to learn social cues and all these various things. While there are many good changes that happen from us from childhood to adulthood, there are also some that are less than desirable. We experience betrayals or abuse, rejection or failure. And as we experience those things, our simple heart begins to be hardened a bit. The heart that was willing to receive anything and everything, to be able to open up and to love whoever was before us, starts to build walls. We recognize that maybe one time I trusted that person and they betrayed me. They betrayed my trust, so I won't make that mistake again. Maybe it's that we suffered abuse. We realized that I shouldn't really get that close to people anyway. Maybe it's that we've suffered rejection. That we desire to be with a group of people, but they didn't desire us to be with them. has said, well, I didn't want to be part of their group anyway. And then we can easily try to slander them. To harm them with our words. And to distance ourselves from them physically as well as emotionally. And oftentimes, sadly, as we grow, we take risks. And sometimes we fail. And when we experience those failures, it can be a source of discouragement for us. Well, clearly, I can't do that great of a thing. So why even try? And our heart grows cold. With each of these experiences that we have, the temptation is... Again, to put up a wall. The wall is our self-defense mechanism. It's the thing that says, I got hurt last time, so if I build this protective barrier, it won't happen again. My heart won't get hurt. I don't have to experience that pain. But the problem is, to the extent that we build those walls to keep other people away from us and to keep ourselves from doing foolish things that will get us hurt, we also keep out the Lord and prevent the Lord from doing things that may get us healed. And this is the reason that we have the cross. It's because Christ knows this condition of our hearts. And he wants to come to give us a heart transplant of sorts. To change our hardened hearts and to allow it to be a heart that is willing to be pierced for love of the other. All of the things that we experience, Christ experienced in his passion, just in the story we heard. We heard. Christ was betrayed no less than four times by those who were supposed to be his best friends. He was abused physically, spiritually, emotionally, suffering all sorts of beatings and bruisings, ultimately leading to his scourging and his crucifixion. He was utterly rejected. The people who had once triumphed and rejoiced at his coming soon say, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he who had come into his city of Jerusalem, as the gospel reminds us, is cast out of his city to be crucified on a hill. And all of this, to the eyes of the world, is absolute and utter failure. Jesus is supposed to be the Savior. He's supposed to be the one that comes and makes things right. He's supposed to be the one that comes and changes all things, who ushers in the kingdom of David, the king of peace, the reign of peace. Expecting that when the Christ came, that the Jews would once again be the ones who were in power, not the Romans who were oppressing them. That they would come and they would be able to rejoice in their religious freedom. And that they would once again have the strength and the authority and the power and the honor and dignity that they had back when David and Solomon were kings. And yet this Christ who was supposed to do all of these things, he comes into town and gets killed. We'll hear it on the lips soon of those who are walking on the way to Emmaus. We had hoped that he would do all these things. But he's done now. He failed us. To the eyes of all, Christ was a failure. Experiencing all of these things... He uses it as an instrument of grace so that we, when we experience these betrayals and abuses, rejections and failures, that rather than build up the walls that separate us from other, that we would simply turn to Christ and ask for his help, ask for his strength, ask for his grace, and ultimately ask for his heart. Ask for a heart that's willing to be pierced rather than to be built walls around So this is why he comes to be able to give us the cross. Ultimately to show us that he loves us. That we can trust in him. That he's faithful to us. That he won't betray us. He won't neglect us. He won't reject us. And ultimately that neither he nor we are a failure. This is the gift of the cross. I'm sure most of us are familiar with Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. (coughs) One of the remarkable things is the way in which that movie, at that time and even today, continues to touch hearts. One of the actresses who was in the movie was someone who was not really uh, living the faith. She had been baptized Catholic and received First Communion and Confirmation. She'd done all the right things as a youth. But the hardness of our heart had continued to increase as she experienced those various difficulties that... Bring us away from our childhood simplicity. And as an adult, she was one who was hard of heart. She didn't trust the Lord. She didn't believe the Lord was there for her. She didn't believe that He loved her. She didn't believe that He would receive her, that He would welcome her. She felt rejected in a very real sense. And yet, by God's providence, she was the one to be chosen to be Veronica of Veronica's veil in the Passion of Christ. So each week as we pray our Stations of the Cross, we hear about Veronica. We hear of how she was the woman who, in the midst of all of this great crowd, comes and pierces through the crowd to bring Jesus a cloth to wipe his face and a bit of water to quench his thirst. In the scene, it was a rather difficult scene to shoot because they were on a small road. And of course, rather than everyone just kind of standing there patiently and watching everything, it was a crowd that it was... It was violent. It was vicious. People were cursing and shouting and people were throwing things and spitting on Jesus all throughout the way of the cross. And so she had to pierce through that crowd. And what happened is that time after time after time, they would go to shoot the scene. And Veronica would come into the scene. She would come to Jesus, kneel down at him as he was as he was down on the ground, (coughs) struggling to move forward. And she would say, Lord, permit me. And she would wipe his face and give him a drink. But what happened time after time is that somebody from the crowd, as the, as the movement was going on, people were kind of swirling all over the place. Someone would accidentally be pushed a little too far. They would, they would lose their footing or trip over something, and they would fall. And what happened is they kept falling over or tripping onto Veronica. And so in the in the midst of this scene... They had to take the, shoot the scene over and over again because they kept messing it up. People kept falling on top of her. And so they shot the scene five times, ten times, fifteen times, twenty times. And then eventually, something happened. And it wasn't just that the scene was shot well. Around the twentieth time, this actress, who had been going continuously to this man who was the actor playing Jesus... And kneeling at his feet saying, Lord, permit me, she had a conversion of heart on the spot. Around that 20th time, she said she went and she knelt down in front of Jim Caviezel, the actor playing Jesus. But the man she encountered wasn't Jim Caviezel. It was Christ. And all the hardness of our heart and the presence of Christ melted away. And all she could say was, I believe, I believe. Eventually, they got the scene shot and the movie moved on and proceeded. Veronica had played her part, but the actress herself walked away changed. That moment being the first moment to re-spark her faith that continued to grow into a great blazing fire of faith and love for Jesus Christ. And I mention that because that experience that that actress had with our Lord in that moment is exactly what Christ desires to have with us as we come here in Holy Week. Because we recognize that around all of us there's a swirling crowd. We have stuff going on with school. We have stuff going on with work. We have things going on in the community around us. We have stuff going on in our family life, in our personal life. We have stuff, if anybody's doing things in the church, or we've got the, um, the, the Passion Tonight at St. Stephen's. Any of these various activities that are going on, there's lots of preparation, get ready for this, get ready for that, move this, move that, practice here, practice there. All of these things happening, the, 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 the crowds are swirling around us and within us. And Jesus simply wants us to pierce through all of that stuff that's happening this week and come and kneel at his feet and meet him. It's to be in his presence. That's what he wants. He wants to encounter us just like he did the actress playing Veronica. The thing is that whenever we come to meet our Lord Jesus, quite often we want to come to Jesus and we want to have everything perfect so that whenever I give Jesus my heart, whenever I come to kneel at his feet and confess my love for him, to confess my willingness to receive his mercy... We desire it to happen on the first shot. But quite often what happens in real life for us as Christians is we come and we have to shoot the scene of us trusting in Jesus. Not once, not twice, not five times, but ten times, fifteen times, twenty times and more. And we have to come again and again and again to Jesus. To show us the love of God. The harder our hearts get, sometimes the longer it takes. That's why we come here week after week after week. Is that little by little, the Lord is able to remove the stones that make up the walls around our hearts. Little by little, he's able to come and to pierce through there and to give us his grace. Little by little, he changes us and he makes our heart to be like his. But this week is a special time. This is the Holy Week of the year. It's a a unique time of grace. an unique encounter with the Lord that happens to us every time we experience the Holy Week liturgies. And so I would encourage you very strongly to be able to make the liturgies, if at all possible, during this blessed week. Holy Thursday, we have the Feast of the Lord's Supper, the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, where we have uh, the washing of the feet, the reminder of Christ's service to us. We have the gift of the Eucharist and the priesthood, which continues to perpetuate the presence of Christ. And we have the gift of Holy Communion. Afterwards, we have uh, time in the, in the hall, the religious said building at St. Anne. Uh, the Blessed Sacrament will be reposed there uh, as a quiet time for us to go and to pray in a very real sense, to walk with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. In that hour when he was waiting for the disciples to be with him, to stay awake and to keep watch. So also on Thursday night, we have the opportunity to go and to keep watch with Christ, to be with him and to pray with him. The Blessed Sacrament would be reposed in the hall immediately following the service around, around 8.30 or so until 11 p.m. An opportunity for us to come and to be with him, to communion with him. On Friday, we have the gift of the passion of our Lord, wherein we hear once again the passion that we just read. But we also have the grace of venerating that great sign of our salvation, the kissing of the cross. And after the services on Friday, we have the opportunity as the cross remains central in the sanctuary to stay and to remain, to reflect upon the gift of the cross for us as individuals, and especially also to be able to reap the fruits of the cross by the gift of the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which is available after the Friday service. Saturday and Sunday, of course, see the fulfillments of all the things that the Lord has promised throughout His life. With the glory of the resurrection, Christ comes to us and He promises us and He assures us and He shows us in His flesh and in His blood that has been resurrected that He is stronger than anything this world can send our way. Whatever betrayals we suffer, whatever abuse or rejection, whatever failures we have lived through, Christ is stronger than that, and his victory is ours if we just simply extend our hands to him to be willing to accept it. And so we come and we rejoice in the gift of his love and his mercy that claims us for God the Father. It would be easy for us to say, God doesn't really love me if all he did was ride in on a donkey, say, God loves you, and rode away. It would be easy to say God doesn't really care about me. He's not someone I can trust if he's just someone who came in and showed us a nice sign, a visible reminder of God's reality of his love and disappeared. It would be easy. But as we gaze upon the cross, if we're honest with ourselves, there's no way we can say that God doesn't love us. No way. And not just us as people in general. Us as individuals. As as children. It's been said that if there was only one person in the whole world. That Christ would come and suffer all of that for the sake of the one. My brothers and sisters. You are the one. You are the one that Christ would endure everything for. That he would suffer everything countless abuses countless neglections rejections betrayals simply for you if he had to do it again he would gladly unhesitatingly because of his love for you and this is the gift of the cross and so lord jesus we thank you and we praise you for this day and for the graces that you give to us We ask that you would come and touch our hearts today that have often been hardened by sin as well as by the harsh realities that we face in the course of our days in this valley of tears. We ask that you would come to pierce our hearts, make our hearts like to yours, Lord Jesus. Help us not to fear anything that this world offers because we know that with you we are victorious. Help us to trust in you, Lord, to have faith in you, to know that you are with us that you love us, that you accept us and your mercy and you call us to yourself, that you might be able to join us through the heart of God the Father. Help us to enter into this holy week with joy and thanksgiving at the gift that you have wrought up for us, our salvation by the gift of the cross. Be with us, Lord, who might learn to be with you.